can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really got a stream in. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you any money to go. And that's why movies we missed. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I'm your host, Brandon Greenhouse, along with my lovely co-host, Jane Rowena Hammer. And we are happy to be back here with you. Before we get into the episode, take care of a few little, you know, housekeeping uh, details. And want to let everybody know, you can stop inundating my inbox with, you know, DMs and messages. Are you single? What's going on? What's mm-hmm. your status with your husband? Everybody knows, you know, my mm-hmm. marriage is flimsy on a good day. Um, but still, don't send me those messages. And also, I get a lot of questions about, um, about how you can keep tabs on us. And, you know, you can keep tabs on us any way you want to. But if mm. it's got to do with a podcast, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We're at Movies mm-hmm. We Missed. You can find us leading away, Rock and Robin style, over on Twitter. Mm. And um, it's one of the most renowned Twitter accounts on the interwebs. Yeah. And we're always participating in robust um forward thinking conversations about a myriad of topics. Mm-hmm. And uh we're ready to chat. <laughs> we're ready to engage. <laughs> so um yeah, and speaking That's of engaging, MWM chat, right? And it's speaking of chat. engaging, I'm gonna throw it over to my co-host. She just put on this beautiful uh, Fenty red lip that I'm I'm here for. Um, I like my gals gussied up, and um, mm-hmm. she's she's humored me and obliged me by doing it. Um, and so it's good to see you, Janie. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. Um, Brandon absolutely insisted I put on lip color before we started recording tonight because he likes his gals femme, <laughs> you know, and he's got a beauty standard that um, well impossible to meet. Um, you have to try in order to stay in his orb- orbit because if he sees me walking around without you know a mascara on or you know without some rouge on my cheeks he will march me into my own home and tell me to start over this is because of that time that i chucked that makeup compact at you from across a room and accidentally hit you in the head because you you came out of the house with a stitch of makeup on. I was concussed. Um, I was concussed. It was concussed. shocking to me. And I concussed at you. And I'm sorry for those <laughs> words I called you. But it it was inappropriate. And first of all, you seem to be hinting around at it. It's not a cult, what I have. I, I like to call it a harem. And okay. um, it's a group of um, lasses mm-hmm. who know to put on their lashes. Um, <laughs> because uh, that's what me likes. <laughs> so you like it's to nice. be surrounded by beautiful women, and I don't think that's a crime technically, because everyone not is... the way I did it. No, okay. no, 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 Good. no, no. And no, I just want to make I... sure that you're above. You know, everything's above board, and you are checking IDs at the door, and you are really getting no more. No more word of mouth. No more honor system. <laughs> I will tell you that. Absolutely, I learned not. my lesson. Absolutely not. And that is, and you will have your damn court on that one because. I'm sure there's things that we don't know about the situation. Um, no, there's nothing to know about it. I talked to a barrister um, mm-hmm. recently, and um, mm-hmm. even I even I even stuck it to him because I was like, "You got that powder wig on, but I'm not seeing any rouge." Okay. Um, and he was mm-hmm. like, "I don't, ha- Blakey, I don't have to." Blakey, shut, you, shut your black mouth is what he actually <laughs> said. But 
Um, I, first of all, there's a lot to unpack about what your barrister said to you. First of all, I've never heard any British person say the term blikey. I think now that I'm thinking about it, it may have been blacky. Oh, no. Given where the conversation went after that, it I think maybe like, I gave him a little it, bit of grace there that I shouldn't have. Maybe, maybe. And I should have pushed back a smidge. I wanted to um, give you some some legal advice, and I would oh, say it's probably time to change lawyers. I think if if you're first of all. You have a British lawyer and your case is in the United States, which is, is this person able to practice in the state of Illinois? I'm wondering. (laughs) Here we go. We got ourselves. You know what? We don't really need you because we've already got Amy Brenneman to judge Amy. Okay. We don't need you doing it. Okay. We got time pulling back up. So you can hit pause. Okay. I'm going to beat these charges. Okay. This isn't like when you were wrapped up in that Nexium nonsense that you were in. The (laughs) lamest one out there. I'll never forget it. One of the good ones. Never forget it. And this is also coming from a person who's famously said that Jim Jones was a little misunderstood. So like, I'm not really taking what you say to heart completely because you stand some of the most. Jim Jones was a little misunderstood. You did. You have. And you actually, and I've heard you in your conspiracy theories that that Kool-Aid just had Stevie in it. And it's like that the evidence didn't point to that though, Mama. And I told you that. I I just want to. Uh, the thing is, is that like I. Mm, I just, the pivot, everybody. Uh, no, no, no. There's no pivot. There's no pivot. Nobody like, can contort like this one. I stand by what I've said in the past, okay. and I would like to say that like it's there's no proof that it wasn't Stevia in there, and that's what I'm waiting for. You know what I mean? And maybe it's you're waiting to- for proof that a product that hadn't been invented and wouldn't be invented for decades wasn't inside of the Kool Aid that. You know, this was all happening in Guyana, and there was a lot of amazing um, sweetener innovations that were happening before we even knew. Um, And plants being used by, you know, Uh, indigenous communities. And so, like, I'm just saying we don't know if it was it, it was or wasn't there. And, and okay. not that I believe that Jim Jones is a great guy, because obviously he was, but that's not neither here nor there. I'm talking about evidence. Him being, yeah, you just think that he was, like, complicated and that, you know, there's not really a right Who or wrong in the situation. Who isn't, you know? <laughs> Who isn't? And when the history books come out about me, I hope I'm... I hope books? I'm, plural? I think they'll I, cover it in one. I think they'll cover it... <laughs> In in one like YA book with a parental well, advisory really, warning on it though. <laughs> I'm hoping that I come off as complicated too because I don't want to be one note. Nobody wants to be one note. Who's okay? The, who's who's? I gotta beg you to put a lip on. Um, <laughs> you know. And speaking of disasters, um, that's gonna take us right into the marriage that the center of our movie for this week. Baby, did we have a doozy of a movie? We watched that old feeling with the incomparable Bette Midler and iconic Dennis Farina, RIP. We fucking miss you, man. One of the greats. Mm. Um, and a uh, really wonderful and kind of like unexpected like role for him. Um, totally. He's but, like, always such like a gangster dude. He's always know? like a ga- always a gangster or a cop. Like right, and always like exactly. very like grizzled. So it's like interesting to see him in a part like this. But how fun, you know? Um, I would love to hear the synopsis that you've written up for this wonderful film. Let's um let's strap in then. 
All right. This one was actually uh, quite a doozy. So here we go. (laughs) Lots happening in this movie. (laughs) Okay. Molly Demora is over the moon. Her longtime beau, Keith Marks, has just proposed to her. This is exactly what she has been wanting. She is floating on air until she remembers that her estranged parents, who haven't been in the same room in decades, will both have to attend her wedding. Molly's parents are famed actress Lily Leonard and novelist Dan DeMora. They had a tumultuous divorce that was spurred on by Dan's affair with his now wife, interior designer and self-proclaimed lady who lunches, Rowena. And Lily found comfort in the arms of her and Dan's marriage counselor, Alan, whom she is now married to. Though they are both remarried to other people, Molly fears that their anger for one another will spark an eruption and threaten her nuptials to the image-conscious Keith, who is also the son of a senator. Keith has his own political aims and fears that any messiness between these two could prove an optical disaster and thwart his congressional ambitions before they've even had liftoff. Oh, and to make things more stressful, Molly's mother, Lily, has paparazzi on her heels constantly. Well, her career has been in a bit of a decline as of late, so it's mainly one scrappy photographer named Joey Donna who seems to show up at all the most inopportune times. Molly's goal was to get through her wedding day without Lily and Dan having it out, but unfortunately, things don't go quite as planned. When the two momentarily cross paths, a huge fight breaks out between them and Molly sends them outside to cool down. During their parking lot exile, all that anger and fury that made them so passionate makes them, well, passionate. They end up channeling their frustrations into an intense romp in Dan's Porsche before joining the wedding again, newly calmed down. It seems that beneath all that resentment, there was, dare I say, love? Dan and Lily struggle to grapple with the reality of the adultery they've both just committed. Married now to other people, they vow that it has to have been a one-time rekindling before blowing out that flame forever. They must go back to their respective partners and bury these desires. But something funny happens, though. As they try and pick up the pieces of their new old lives, they can't get each other out of their minds. So they resolve to run away together. Now they have Lily's husband, Alan, and Dan's wife, Rowena, trying to track them down. Not to mention their daughter, Molly, who turns to the unlikeliest of people for assistance. Her mother's latcher-on paparazzi, Joey. After all, who knows Lily's moves better than a man who spent his life tracking her down? Will they succeed at finding the two lovebirds? Will Lily and Dan's reunion prove a fleeting fancy or clandestinely kismet? Only one thing's for certain. All bets are off once you've been swept away by that old feeling. That was great. Beautiful. Beautifully written, beautifully performed. I mean... This was a fucking great movie. And I I'm actually so happy you enjoyed it. I like I don't normally start off by saying like how I felt about the movie, but like as soon as it was as it was over, I was like, I loved that movie. It was so ridiculous. And obviously there are many things about it, but like it was such an enjoyable, just like 90s romp of shenanigans and like just like classic comedic Carl Reiner like Dick yes. Van Dyke energy you know what I mean it, it was really so good it, it really was it was like clearly like a, like we've got Reiner at the helm and then mm-hmm. we've got two like 
proven time and time again legends in Bette Midler and Dennis Farina, like leading the cast. And so it's like they're just pros. Everybody's a pro. And it is just it, it couldn't be clearer. Like the, Farina and Midler also have like such incredible chemistry together. Such like good chemistry. They, they effortlessly banter and play off of each other. And it just it really is like a really charming movie. And when I was a kid, I, I haven't seen this movie in a while. But when I was a kid, this was a go to. I've watched this movie so many times. Mm-hmm. And it always it's just such an easy watch and it's so much fun. And this movie was released on April 4th, 1997. It had a budget of 35 million and it had a box office return of 16. So not every <laughs> little boy was with everyone. <laughs> no. And I actually, I actually, part of me is like, I think like that has like, you know, obviously it's like a movie for a certain generation absolutely, like, and like a very specific like clientele. But I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, a 11 year old little gay boy loving every minute of it. Of course. Um, and so it's like, I mean, I guess it, it worked for me. Um, <laughs> this movie is, it's really fun though. And uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll dive right in. Um <laughs> I just like I the first thing I like notice when I press first of all by the way uh, for those of you who don't know my wife Tara editor of this podcast um is Bette Midler's maybe biggest fan like she feels like she just anything that Bette Midler does she wants to be a part of in some way and when she found out that you assigned this movie to me she spent all week being like, so, so, so when are we going to watch that old feeling? So are we ready yet? Like, when do you want to watch it? Like she couldn't get, she it couldn't get into our television fast enough. Um, and so it was fun because I really like watching old movies that, you know, that you like, of course, but also that Tara gets really excited about because I think like she has such a specific taste in movies and a lot of it is sci-fi and like you know weird futuristic post-apocalyptic stuff so when she loves these kinds of movies it just really warms my heart and she was very excited while we were watching it but every good 90s rom-com starts with a rendition of L-O-V-E and this was (laughs) no exception it was like I heard that I I heard the famous the famous crooning and I was like this is gonna be so good I know you were like I know what I'm I know what I'm strapping in for yeah exactly absolutely that's how you know you know that they that they they got the the starter pack for like a a mature adult rom-com in the 90s exactly Um, like you know those those memes where it's like the you know the starter pack for insert any cultural reference here and it's like the the 90s starter pack for um a rom-com like l-o-v-e uh you know um one of the reiners is involved um you better believe it there's uh you know i don't know we'll have to think of something else but no i mean those no i'd say those are those are pretty like are those are pretty solid ones. Also, I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that it was produced by Bo- by Bonnie Bruckheimer, who oh I don't I didn't catch that. Yeah, who was a uh, who's a Jerry Bruckheimer's wife? Apparently, I like, didn't know she was. I didn't realize. Are they like a a a, a couple that? Well, pro- no, like okay. six, they were married from sixty nine to seventy four. Oh, but well, um, well. and he actually got married after that, and he's uh, still married to Linda Bruckheimer, who's probably not too happy about Bonnie holding onto that name, but. <laughs> She did what she had to do, and I'm sure yeah, it opened some doors did. for old girl too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Bonnie's um, 
She's at the helm. Bonnie's at the helm of the ship and she's like mm-hmm. her and Carl got on the phone and they were like, let's do let's, it. Let's, let's do call for thing. let's call. Get Beth get, and Farina on the phone. Get both of them on the phone. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm, I'm so happy to see Farina. It was a funny. I had a moment. Where I was like, I wonder if they tried to get Rob De Niro for this. And he was busy. Like and not because I don't love Dennis Farina because I actually think Farina is a better choice. But yeah, me it just too. felt like it was just interesting to see him, like you said, because I'm, I'm used. I've at least seen De Niro do comedy before. And it was mm-hmm. just really interesting to see Farina because I'm so used to him playing those intense grizzled roles. But I think that's that uh, a lot of times those actors who do that they're really great people talk about how comedic actors are really wonderful in dramas and sometimes it's like oh my god that person was so good but a lot of times those really dramatic actors are really fun in these types of movies too and i think it's like it gives them opportunity to let go in a different way mm-hmm, um totally well i did read that uh, this script written by um leslie dixon and she rewrote the character a little bit when dennis farina was cast as um the husband um she wrote rewrote him as a crime novelist um because he has like a gruff persona and so she like changed a little bit to to fit him which i think it does really well i mean he's just such a fucking good job it's it's also funny that like apparently this was like written and uh, like initially like supposed to be like a sequel to like Outrageous Fortune, which is another like Bette Midler. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Okay. Good yeah, to know. So I don't um, know. From like the eighties, it's like it's 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 like a um, opposites attract sort of Bette Midler Shelley Long joint. So it's interesting that that was the whole thing. It just it's funny, but mm-hmm. this movie it came together in a really like you know wonderful way. And we start with like we get that proposal at the beginning of the movie. We get um, Molly, the daughter who's played by Paula Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, an actress who you may be familiar with more from like her television work because mm-hmm. she's done a lot of like um, TV projects and thing and things of that nature. Uh, so that I know she was on Californication at one point. She, mm, she was on some show. Sh- she's a, she was on a lot of shows. Um, she was on a show with Jeremy Piven uh, called Cupid. And uh, yeah. Oof. Um, also, you know, she was on 911 briefly. She's also on Euphoria. So like baby girls, she's working. Don't worry about her. Um, oh, my God. She is in Euphoria. I was trying to think. That's crazy. Okay. Um, and funnily, she is um, actually married to Danny Nucci, who plays the photographer in that she ends up running off into the sunset with the thing of the movie. And I have a fantasy that the two of them met on the set of this movie and fell in love and then decided to get married. And yeah. another thing that makes this movie really like kind of like warm your heart a little bit. Cute. And I, I had a moment when I was like, I almost didn't want to look up if they were still married because I was just scared it was going to be like divorced. And I saw <laughs> that they were still married and it made me yes. really happy. I know they were so cute. I, I was reading that afterwards and I was like, oh my God, their love is real. Their and love it, is real. Oh, I, I had that same thought. I was like, when they were like kissing in the movie, I was like, oh, they're like, oh, this, this is probably real. The director probably had to call cut. Okay. Which is really just them being unprofessional <laughs> actors. Yeah, that's totally. Which like shouldn't be happening. But I, I did, um, I, I love watching things and finding out that the love interests like actually like dated during the time or like are oh, for still sure. married. Like to me, I just like I'm like oh my god, it's like some sort of like shot of joy that like brings me out out of my body. I'm like I'm experiencing real love. <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting this window into what this. really happened to the set. <laughs> exactly. Carl probably had to pull them off of each other between takes. <laughs> 
Um, they were like they forget, the trailers. Like, like they forget how to just be pros. Carl Reiner's just like they actually had sex in the middle of the, it's like it's not cute at all. It sounds no, actually, it actually quite disturbing. What we're, it was an assault on all of us. Um. <laughs> yeah, like bet like bet would let that ship get like get out of control. I'm sure yeah. she'd be pulling people apart and giving everybody the what for. No fucking on set. This is in the seventies and you're not Jagger. Um but Speaking the movie, of, like, oh, oh I, I was just gonna say the best thing about this movie is like you start off with like the most dramatic bet. She's walking down a New York City street with her daughter, like trying to like get away from paparazzi, um, aka uh, Joey Donna, and she's just like she's like talking about how he took like a picture of her where she looks fat, and like she's just giving everything, and you're just like so excited to see her. <laughs> She has a fan that she's holding in front of her face, like the lower half of her face. And her daughter says, give up the Garbo act, mom. Yeah, um, it's so good. And it's the, really funny. The moment. script for this movie is so good and so quick. S- and some really great, like little biting quips. Yeah. And I, I just I, I love um, I just love her and Farina, too, just like bouncing off each other, particularly when they're fighting, like at the wedding and they have their first like meeting together where they haven't seen each other in like 14 years. So um, I actually do. So I, I have the scene. Oh, it's a lot. So I was like, I don't know. This is gonna be too much. But I thought we could give it a or run around the block once or twice. Because I want to give, like, let's start off with people who have not seen this movie, like, a taste of the script. Because I think it's fun. It gives you, like, a taste. It's, like, the banter between these two. Yeah. Um... Do you want to do you want to try it both ways or do you want to try do you want to play I I'd loved my shot at Lily of course. Um I mean I think we both want to do Lily but I'm willing to do um I'm willing to do Dennis in order to give you your moment. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mhm. All right. Or Dan You've, is the character I guess. And I just sent it to you. And let me know if it, oh, okay, did it come through. It. Yeah, let me All right. And this is the moment sort of like so Molly, this is the moment that she's been dreading, which is like, and initially Keith, her fiance, he proposes to her. It's full on 1990s movie proposal where the ring is in like a chocolate, like mousse of some sort. She eats the mousse, not realizing it starts choking a waiter at the restaurant, this hoity toity New York restaurant, like very lackadaisically like comes over. It's like, it's, there's an ease that I don't feel comfortable with, with which he like performs a Heimlich maneuver. Yeah. He just and, seems very chill. Like, and that, that that scene is just weird in general because they don't speak at all, but they're like, they don't speak to each other. And the, when they're waiting for the dessert to come over, they're just sitting at the table silently, holding hands, looking Staring at into each, other. each other's eyes. Yeah. And in a way where it's like, you should be saying things. You should be like, saying something. <laughs> and then like, and then she gets the Heimlich. And I actually, one of my my first note was everybody should know to perform the Heimlich maneuver. I hate that there's one person in this restaurant who's capable of doing it. Yeah, that like, should be like part of like your server training. I need to, I need to get recertified because I, I, I got cert- certified a couple years ago and I'm I'm still a little bit iffy. And You uh, know, my mom saved someone's life giving someone the Heimlich. Yeah. It was Whoa. at work. There was someone she was with in her office who started to choke on something and she like got up and you know gave her the Heimlich and you know I was like wow that's so dramatic she's like yeah it was really dramatic I bet I was in a play um once and I remember uh one of the members of the tech crew um I think she was one of the assistant stage managers on the production she was in the wings it was like final dress which is sort of the night 
um, before you open after like the lights have been integrated. But like usually several of the rehearsals before that, you've been sort of away from working on the traditional working on the material in a traditional sense. You've been doing like wet tech and dry tech where you're just sort of figuring out like how to make the make sure that the lighting design works with the actors and sort of like costumes are integrated and all this stuff. So it's sort of like can be a tense night because it's like it's a long night and it's like you're trying to like put the show together in a real right. way. Mm-hmm. And the ASM was on our side of the stage and the assistant lights stage assistant stage manager. She was on our side of the stage and she was she had been eating something and then our director was like, okay, places, like let's get ready. And she was eating like pretzels or something like that. And the director had said, okay, like let's move to places we're about to start. So the lights are going down on the stage. They're playing around with like the pre-show music and things like that. But it's like completely pitch black. And right before the lights went out, I kind of heard her like, like a little cough kind of. And I turned to her and I said, are you okay? And she was like, Mm -hmm. she was just like nodding her head, but she still, she, she verbally communicated. And so I sort of go back to my position. I can still hear her like kind of, but her instinct, which apparently is the instinct of most people. Mm -hmm. Also, it's like supposed to be quiet in the house. So her instinct was to go further and further away. And -hmm. I can hear her going further and further away from us. And I'm thinking to myself, she's still coughing. And I sort of like, I go around and I find her in a corner and she's still coughing. And I look at her face and she's losing her color. (gasps) And I say, to her are you okay and she looks at me and she says no (gasps) and then I like turn and it's me and like one other actor on that side of the stage and at this point I had not I had not been trained in the Heimlich maneuver and I turn to my to my co-star and I say do you know the Heimlich maneuver and he says yes and I say get over there and he runs over and he performs a Heimlich maneuver on her and she coughs up like these pretzels that had gotten lodged in her throat and she starts like crying like and just instinctive just like the craziness of the moment and she's like I'm so sorry and I'm like no 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 you're fine and I go out to the house and I tell the director we gotta stop hold on you know the ASM who really did not want to be a bother and by being a bother I mean like was willing to die apparently in a corner (laughs) like for this (laughs) shitty production oh my Um, god and it's just like it was such a scary moment but I remember thinking I need to learn the Heimlich maneuver because like if if he hadn't known the Heimlich maneuver like who knows what would have happened I probably would have done some shitty facsimile of it that I've seen but like still it was just like and I kind of I kind of remember it but it was just like it's good to be like you know to to be rejogged of what it is especially if you you live in a house with like or if you're around small children it's good to know you know the one that freaked me out the most was the baby one because I was just like god I would like like I would just be so scared of like breaking like a baby's ribs or something because it's a completely different technique but anyway this movie has has a Heimlich maneuver (laughs) scene in the very beginning of it and she coughs up the ring that somehow did not scratch her throat or like cause any real damage just like sharp ass yeah. diamond on it sh- but sh- shot out never but they, s- they seem like really in love and then she's um you know they're doing their like the first kind of clue in that you get that things may that there may be an issue with these two is when is when keith and well is when keith lets her know that he's already picked the venue for the wedding i know and, like, i was like no in it's my like mind, a, I was it's like, like, that's the, so... You don't do that. No. It's them planting, like, the seed that, um, like, he's not perfect. Right. Unless this is something you guys have talked about before, and you're like, this is the place that, that I really place we talked about. I, surprise, yeah. I got it. But right. it, it, it also didn't feel like it was up for discussion. It was it like, wasn't. I've gotten the venue, and she's sort of taken aback a little bit.
little bit and she's like, oh, okay. Like you already picked the venue out. And he's like, oh, it's next to my parents, like estate. like it's going to be perfect. And your parents can, you know, there's a, there's a small intimate little like bed and breakfast nearby that your parents can stay at. And like, this is going to be great. And you can just see her process it. And then she sort of gives us that indication that like her parents' marriage, like they are like, they're not only divorced, but they are like, estranged with a capital E like like it will get volatile between them Mm -hmm. and she sort of compares it to his parents marriage where she says you know how your parents are like married your parents don't like each other but they're married and they're still civilized like my parents aren't like that and um but it sort of sets up the stage and then we get to the wedding that like was the thing that Molly's been so concerned about uh, another thing too is like she's like can we just elope? I don't want to have to deal with like how she doesn't even this want is. a wedding. Yeah, and he does not in any way like trust her to make that decision based on her knowledge of her own family. He's like, no, we're having a wedding. Like the end of discussion, basically. And it's like, okay, this dude like doesn't listen and, to you. And then and when shit falls apart, you. he like tries to throw it in her face, and she's like, no, 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 baby, I warned you about this. Right. And he's like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's like, you should because I literally looked you in the face and told you that this would happen. Actually, everyone in this movie at some point unfairly blames Molly for this, and it's like, yeah, the parents are <laughs> absolutely grown ass people responsible who are just, for their own decisions. It's fucking insane that they're like, this is your fault. You brought them together. It's like. Like, I had a wedding. Like the only thing that Molly should be blamed for is her awful wedding dress. That's it. One hundo p, and that is probably. I wonder if she made that decision, but it is not good. It is. It's like it's this. The top of it looks like doily material. Yeah. It's like it's like a short and it's sleeve. Sh- it's shaped like a t-shirt from the Gap. <laughs> it's short sleeve. It's drop waist. Yep. And it is an ugly dress. It and is. it is like I wonder if Paula Marshall, like just as the actress, was like, sure. All right. It just there's nothing elegant about it, and it <laughs> it feels very dowdy in this way. That's like not like the fantasy that you all are trying to create. And also, it's like Paula Marshall is this lovely woman. It's like you could have really put her in anything. Yeah. It feels like somebody willfully was like, "I'm gonna show that ass." Like I she w- made a comment, <laughs> a slip comment to the costume designer, and she was like, "I got you." I see how this goes. Just yeah. you fucking wait, Henry Higgins. <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> Okay, so um, so let's do the scene. We're gonna do, do the scene. Dan. And this is this is the moment that like everything's been sort of like leading up to towards the beginning of the movie where we we've only heard the two of them make references to each other, but this is the first time we see them like interact. Yes, and this is after the ceremony during the reception in front of everybody. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Our daughter looks beautiful. Thank you. So, how are you? Fabulous. How are you? Never better. Good. I'm glad you can be civil. This is not the time nor place for anything else, is it? (laughs) For once, we agree. (laughs) What are you wearing? Armani? (laughs) Knock over a truck? It's called prosperity. Really? Yes, Keep Under the Grass went into its third printing. Oh, what's that? One of my books. Oh, I wouldn't know. I've been out of the country. (laughs) Tax problems? Shooting a film. Do you still do that? You know perfectly well I still do that. (gasps) You've got more hair. I don't think so. What is it? Plugs? A rug? No, no. 
Look, let's, let's not do this, okay? Please. I'm just curious. Rogaine? Hair club for men? I've laid off your hair. My hair is perfect. Yes, it's perfect if you want to look a madam in a saloon in, a t- in Tombstone. Oh, a metaphor. Aren't we literary? I still can't believe that you're still threatened by people who write books. Oh, my husband writes books. He doesn't threaten me at all. You call that self-help psychobabble that he writes books? But more people have read them than those dime novels of yours. The Tao of Divorce? Who's this guy trying to kid? That book has saved thousands of marriages. None of which was ours. Ours was beyond saving. I would say so. When the counselor's trying to put the make on my wife. That was a long after you were off with Rowena humping like a middle-aged meek. After we go in for a session and the man who was supposed to save my marriage of 14 years tells me he wants to interface to talk about his feelings. <laughs> what a load. Because his feeling is that he can make my wife happier. <laughs> and I'm paying the guy to hear this. Oh, bullshit. You bounced the check. Wouldn't you? You are so pathetically jealous of Alan. And just because he's a national phenomenon. At least I had the maturity not to marry a bauble. She is a top interior designer. Oh, come on. She made our apartment look like a Greek whorehouse. I would have never touched Rowena first if you hadn't thrown yourself a Dr. Feelgood first. First? I was never first. You were first, Lillian. I was the faithful one. Faithful like a Kennedy is faithful. I was faithful, and boy, am I sorry now. Do you know who I could have slept with? I could have had the entire Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I turned down a beetle for you. I remember Ringo being on a fender. And scene. scene. So obviously you get that feeling. It's a lot of back and forth. Hilarious one-liners performed perfectly by your podcast hosts, um, obviously. Yeah, that was impeccable. Yeah. Um, I have always actually been told that I do a great Dennis Farina. So. You, yeah, I, yeah, I, I get that. You definitely, I'll see it here. You're giving it in the face. Um, oh. I kind of very handsome, very handsome man. One hundred percent, Dennis Frina was a very good-looking man, but also, you know, not necessarily the sort of vibe I'm putting out there. I oh, think. God, you're such a slave to like gender standards. It's oh. so sad <laughs> to see you. Of course, that's where you go with it. This coming from the man who forced me to put on lipstick before we started recording. It's right. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things that I discovered this time watching the movie while like you know looking up information was that Gail O'Grady who plays Rowena mm-hmm. is like a year older than Paula Marshall I know I read that I was like she's supposed to be her stepmother what actually is you know the world could exist where your stepmother is only like, older than you one thousand percent like they're both like in their the, early 30s but that's right. not the story that they're telling here and i feel like if that was something that they wanted to be a part of the story then there's no world in which lily would not have had a comment about it exactly so like i think that it's a testament to the actress because she was giving it like and she's a beautiful I was actress surprised. she was giving the and she is absolutely gorgeous and she's i've gorgeous. seen her in other things too i can't remember off the top of my head but she was really good in this role 
and I felt like she was giving stepmother energy. And yes, um, Molly, I, uh, Paula Marshall was giving like younger graduate student daughter energy. So it worked, even though they were only a year apart. It's like one of those like it's one of those casting decisions that you're like, oh, how like. How interesting. I mean, which just is a testament. I mean, they do it in theater all the time. Right. But it's like that, like, realization that, like, they have, you know, that they've made the decision to cast an actress who apparently was given it in that audition room, baby. And they were like, she reminds me. She looks a little bit like Jerry Ryan. That's who she reminds me of. Um, Who? Gail O'Grady? Um, yes. Jerry Ryan. I, she she was on I Star Trek she- Voyager. I thought she was Jean Smart for a hot second. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, it's, I'm in the middle of watching Frasier for the 50th time. So I just watched a Jean Smart episode like okay. last night. And I'm also deep in hacks, obviously. So like I so like yes. I know that Jean Smart is like six feet tall. So like that's probably the only real indicator for me that it that it wasn't her. But that would have been incredible casting as well. Jean Smart. Amazing casting. And I think her and Gail Grady have a similar facial structure. Jean I feel Smart like I feel like they bet probably wouldn't have wanted somebody who could give it to her like on her level like that though. Oh yeah, because yeah, it would probably been like, look, she's got to tone it down a little bit because <laughs> because this is Beth's show. Jean Smart ain't nobody's second fiddle, baby. She is such a Absolutely comedic not. genius, and I have a feeling that that wasn't the energy Beth wanted for this like for this part. No, she's probably real happy when Gello Grady came in the room. She <laughs> was, was like, like yeah, this is it. just fine. Because that would have been she did a great job. That would have been incredible though. Jean Smart, yeah. wow, yeah. how fun would that have been? Um. Yeah, I'm just obsessed with Jean Smart. She's, she's amazing. <laughs> she's and so I was fucking just good. Like, she's I, so good on Frasier. I always forget that she plays the Lorna, the Lorna Lindley, the girl, the, the girl that he had this crush on in high school, who yeah. he meets later in life. And like, mm-hmm. she's like chain smoker and like, she's cursing and screaming all the, oh, she's so good. I haven't um, watched in years, but I do remember her being on Frasier. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of a rewatch of Frasier and it is... It doesn't get much better. Like, honestly, like there's a couple of things with Frasier's like a show that is not without problems. There's a couple of, of course storylines yeah. and things that you're like, and it's the whitest show on earth. But like, but it's yeah. just a 100%. good, it is a good show. It is ca- like the cast is so good on this show. Like, well, Frasier is also the show that many many like screenwriters use as the example like this is a perfectly written television show really yeah so i have some experience doing some screenwriting i've written some stuff with um my friend james who's my writing partner and we've written to um you know just like within doing um research while writing our own things yeah. like i have come across so many people so many times being like for a 30 minute like sitcom or comedic show Frasier is the standard 100% if you want to know how to write well for television look at any script from Frasier I also decided that while I was watching Frasier I decided that like I can't say 1000% top, but I will say like one of the top, top, top three, top two, like love stories of like TV is mm. like Niles and Daphne, I think. Like, oh, yeah, it is, I know. It it's is really... so wonderfully played. David Hyde Pierce is so 
fucking good. Yeah. Like this time through, I always knew that, but this time mm-hmm. through I've been very like marveling at just his ability as an actor. He can do it all. Like he can do 100%. slapstick. Mm-hmm. He like his physical comedy game is so strong so and funny. those dramatic moments were like in a sitcom, even in a sitcom where somebody's pining for someone, you have those moments where you're like, "Oh shucks." You know? Yeah. But your heart aches for him because he mm-hmm. is like he is so fully like invested in like the love that the, those heartbreaks that he has with her and those like close calls where it almost happens, but it doesn't. And you watch his him just become crestfallen. And it yeah. is like it's just like a testament to him. And Kelsey Grammer is just like a fucking joy. It is rare that a sitcom makes me like guffaw, but like I literally yeah. like I laugh out loud and I rewind moments because there are it is so, so many good. good moments. I I should rewatch that show. Um it's been it You're just going to feel great. It just it just makes you feel good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, so anyway, speaking of love stories, we're back to this one. <laughs> and we get that moment that Jane and I just went through. We also get the wedding that is, like, full of, like, all of... What they're really... The story they're trying to tell... Um, we recently watched um, How to Deal, and we talked about, like, one of the characters, like, sort of stilted families. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get, like, a little bit of the difference because we get, like, these characters from, like, Molly's family. It's, like, they're trying to create this story of Molly just coming from this family of, like, eccentric, like, liberal creatives. And so it's, like... And Keith's family are the decidedly Republican, um, you know, suits who they're and they're both wealthy families. I don't think there's they're a difference. They're all wealthy in, white people. Yeah. yeah, they're all wealthy white people. When you look into the when you look at the, you know, the wide shots of the wedding, it's just a sea of whites and like not just talking about, you know, the dresses and the outfits. It's just the, they don't know any people. Yeah, Danny Nucci's like the most urban this movie gets. Exactly. Who, by the way, was such a delight. I love. Oh, he's so cute. Him. I love he's Danny Nucci. So cute when he was first, like even first introduced as a paparazzi. I was like, oh my god, that guy's adorable. He's so cute. And yeah, he, he plays Joey Donna, the photographer paparazzo, who's like following her around, um, and taking and the photos he, of Lily. And he becomes ultimately Molly's love interest, and I just like love their story. And even it's though, so cute. I mean. Look, we got to unpack the fact here that like, okay, so Bet and Farina, you know, obviously get into like a huge fight and then it gets heated and they end up having sex in their car outside of a wedding. And it's like (laughs) the actual message of this story is like so fucked up. So I started watching this movie a second time today and I thought to and I thought to myself I was like this movie is just marriage is just you try it on you try it on like a t-shirt and you just throw it and you just like it's it's entered into with the with such ease the affairs in this in this movie it is like we are rooting for we're just rooting for adultery we're like you are you're rooting for adultery which like I don't find myself doing that often no but it's like you there's no world that you don't want Farina and Midler together though and there's no world that you don't want Joey and Molly together yeah you want them together and so you're like the guy she just married is an asshole yeah and like really concerned about this stupid political campaign for Congress and he's like and he says he's like which gave me birdcage vibes he's like I'm running on a family first platform like you've got him if your parents if your parents marriages break up that's his whole reason for being like because okay so like once they can I just say that's so funny that you thought of a birdcage vibe because I thought about the birdcage a few times while watching this. I and mean, 
I, I guess it's I a totally get that. different movie. Yeah. yeah. But I just think it captures that like nineties like comedic like you know moment. I wouldn't call Birdcage like necessarily a rom com. I mean maybe No, it kind of is though. It kind of is, I guess. Nathan Lane and Robin Williams are like are no, the No, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a I, it's their love story. Although yeah, I, I feel like if it was made now, we would lean into that because in La Caja Faux, the musical that it's based on, it's a lot more about the love story between them and they right. like it's Hollywood in the nineties and they really dance around the love that clearly is at the heart of that story. Right. And there, and I'm not saying that love isn't there, but that I don't think that's necessarily like the main more about focus. family, like right. a it's family more about love family. Yeah. And, and uh, again, that love is there and it's beautiful. Sometimes I like, get what you mean though. I get frustrated when I watch the movie because I think that Nathan, the Nathan Lane character is treated Maligned. so poorly and yeah. horribly in that movie. But anyways, that's a totally different thing. But I just, felt like a similar um just like i guess standard in this movie in terms of like um god me and maybe not standard is the right word i know what you mean though like yeah. we, like we we just threw the rules out of the window for yeah. these two i feel like i also while you were saying that i had the thought of like a gay version of this movie and i thought i like because you said that about birdcage and i was like i could totally see like robin williams in the farina role and like yeah. nathan lane in the bet midler role oh my God, absolutely. and like them both being married to other people and like running off together and i was like oh my yeah. god i would love to see that and film. Because I feel like Bette and Farina have a really good back and forth, and Nathan Lane and Rob Williams have a really good back and yes, forth in sort chemistry. of like this hate love chemistry moment where it's like, I, you know, so that that's definitely there within both movies too. For sure. And I feel like we get like a little bit of the craziness of the families. We get the moment where like the senator like walks, the senator who's Keith's father, the groom's father, walks up to like Bette Midler and like, it's like, oh, I heard that you're going to sing at one of our fundraisers. And she's like, Republican? Yeah, and he's I like, it. yes. And she gets this look on her face and Molly's like, we'll talk about it later. It's like, no, we'll talk about it now, girl. I'm not doing it. I'm not um, doing a fucking Republican fundraiser. And I love that energy in 1997 and today and at all at all, at all times always. in our history. Always. Let's, let's not perform at a Republican fundraiser please no we're not doing that <laughs> no. and so it's like it's that whole thing there's also like at the heart of this film too which Dave brought up interestingly is he was like it's and this is the other reason that the birdcage came up that's why also because Dave also brought up earlier he was like it's so interesting seeing a film where the sto- the story of like the two people that are getting married, it's often the other way around it's often the person from the rigid family who's trying to join the more like you know lax or like liberal like family like they want to get away from those constraints and in this movie we have molly who comes from this you know creative artistic liberal family who is like marrying into this like because dave is like what's the selling point on this guy for her like she's marrying into like she clearly comes from money mm-hmm. and she's marrying into like this really like stilted sort of like reserved conservative like family and this fan this like becoming like a congressman's <laughs> wife like what's well, the selling point about this actually okay because i felt like her marriage to keith was actually a trauma response to her parents being so chaotic her mm. whole life they're so loud and expressive and in and out of love and hate and she is always called upon to try to either pull them apart or pull them together or fix it in this movie and you can get the sense that she was had to do that during their divorce as well because she's used to that role she's walking around the wet her own wedding with 
full-blown anxiety. Not about anything wedding-related, but about her parents ruining the and day. And if they're going to be able to behave. And so her marriage to Keith is... I am marrying into this family that would never do anything like that. They would never have a public argument. They may not be perfect. You know what I mean? They are, you know, obviously, like she mentioned in the beginning, the parents don't like each other. But I'm marrying Keith because he's a safe option. He's never going to, you know, have we're never going to have the same relationship that my parents had when they decided to get married. So I feel like it's like a trauma response marriage. No, I get that. I also felt like she talks a lot about Keith's degrees and about Keith's like educational achievements and things like that. And I feel like to her, in a way, and also her hanging out at the Yale Club, like she's clearly trying to ascend a different type of social ladder. Right. At least in the beginning of the film or she thinks that's what she wants. It's like Mm -hmm. these names that come attached to like this prestige of certain universities and like that access that comes with it, like social access that like you can't really get from just being famous. Totally. And And it's how you rebel against your family. Yeah, it's her version of like eschewing of like, you know, these these their value system and her saying no I'm not going to have that so that I think is really interesting and mm-hmm. and right after the scene that Jane and I were so beautifully acting out mm-hmm. I know a lot of you are thinking um, we get we get Molly coming in and sending her parents outside to the parking lot essentially away from them before like the fight gets any bigger because even though we were playing it beautifully and mm-hmm. amazingly um, and some of you are probably going to be like oh like remount it do like a play whatever totally. we'll see yeah but we'll see it's in the cards and also well, it was just it was our first time seeing the script and reading from it so it's like we're not you it's know, only going to get better you know yeah, it's, that's exactly. very much the tea is that like uh-huh. we're only going to fall into those roles more and it's going to get deeper realer more method and like mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm. so they go to the parking lot and then we get like the scene that always makes me laugh which is the two of them fighting in the parking lot <laughs> and then in the middle of like the height of their fight is he's like she tries to hit him and he's whole pinning her arms behind her back so he's obviously got his arms wrapped around her waist they decide to just go at it and they start making out and bet like wraps her legs around Dennis Farina's leg <laughs> and they're just like going at it and then they kind of like come to their senses and like no we gotta stop we gotta stop and then they grab each other again and they go right back into it it's so funny. I did wonder how they were making it work in that Porsche, though, because that was a tiny yeah, ass car. That was the Miata size. <laughs> they slip into. I thought it was a Miata for a second. I was like, he wouldn't be in a damn Miata. No, no, no exactly. No shade to Miata owners. Y'all of the, not. You guys, y'all you guys the, got your journey too. You're you're on the road. <laughs> um, and they're in the back and they're they're fully smashing and they I hate the sex noises that they give Bette Miller to make awful it is like it sounds awful. like a cow to slaughter you know it's ADR of course I, I, they're not in the car they're making the do car do you think move. they made Bette, Bette Miller like come in and like they put out mats and they're like you have to wrestle with someone and we're gonna just use the noises <laughs> it's like it, they're, no, they're really guttural said, noises turn on the recorder I will be I will give you six noises and you you choose from which ones you like and I will be out of here in 20 minutes. She's like, they don't call me bathhouse bet for nothing, baby. I'm going to ham this the fuck up. Exactly. Um, very that. And so we get this moment and then they have to come Then Like it's the weirdness of them coming back into the wedding. Also, it's worth noting. This was a daytime wedding. When they come back in, it is like nighttime and like <laughs> the sun has set. And it's also, and also they are way too put together for two people who just had a fuck sesh. Well, in a also, though, but also she's still pinning her hair up yeah. like as she walks in and it's like, girl, you look like you look like the cat who had his hand in the cookie jar. Like <laughs> she's like pulling, putting her tussled hair back in place and 
and like fixing her dress a little bit as they're walking back in. And it's like, I think it's funny because it's also like they both come in and they go to their respective spouses and like they separate and like they've got this really great double entendre dialogue where like, you know, but, but Rowena, who is uh, who, who plays Dan's wife, she's talking to him. She's like, I can't believe you had to be out there with that wicked tongue. Yeah, I know. She, and so then she good. says, I hope you gave it to her as good as she gave it to you. Yeah. And then he says, oh, I know I did. <laughs> and um so th- so that's that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Um and then they have to do this thing that I've never knew was a thing by the way of like parent the parent dance at a wedding. I've never seen that either, but there are all different mm. kinds of It feels of very to like it feels like something that you would definitely reserve for like parents that were married, but like 100% and it seems like <laughs> something you would clear with whoever is emceeing your wedding, but they clearly didn't. They and just decided we're going to go for to it. to this song and like staring into each other's eyes. It's a su- it's it a is, really sweet moment. It, it's a really sweet moment, but at the same time it they just it, were fucking in the parking they lot. Were just, and, and it sets the scene for almost every scene in this movie where it's like, I mean, right after this, they're in the bed and breakfast and they're all going to bed and bet. And well, first of all, Farina calls Bet's room, which is like well, well, wait, such before, a risk. Before that, I will say that while they're dancing together, this is where they they decide basically like we had a really great time, but like we it can't go any further. Like right. we can't do this any further. And even and in, in, while they're dancing together, everybody's watching them because the last time everybody saw them, they were literally about to kill each other at the wedding, and people don't know what happened in the parking lot apparently. So like the valets are apparently keeping their mouth shut. So they because that car was rocking, baby. Uh, um, if you were, if you came within wild. fifty feet of that car, you would know what was going on. Absolutely. Why? Why, why do you say that? Oh, because you'd see it. I thought you meant because you'd like yeah. smell it. Ew. <laughs> that's why I was. That's why I asked you because I was like, oh, you think it was good and grimy? I mean, there's no way. There's no way Rowena got in that car at the end of the evening and wasn't and like. It smells like, like Bedusi in here. <laughs> <laughs> baby baby it smells like someone's down and i know it wasn't me because it, it's going down basement it's what's <laughs> happening because this car is dink. um hopefully he was smart and wound those windows down when they went back inside to get some gusts in there but i don't know if that could clear it out because i don't know i mean they were you, getting it in they um, were doing what they needed to do they did what grown folks do but also uh, if they were saying at the end they might not have needed to get into the car because i'm end- sure he was like yeah yeah no we're good let's yeah. Car here. No, no, we can walk. No, no, baby, let's walk. Um, but so all of that's happening, and they say we can't do this anymore. It happened. We had this sweet night, and then and then Dan says to Lily, like, "Ooh, let's one more dance, please." And or, you know, and she says, "No, we can't," or they'll know. Which I thought was really interesting because I was like, "Do you really think like one more dance?" And they put together that you two fucked. But yeah, that seems like a reach. But at the same time, it's like she's trying to be careful I, though. She's trying to be careful only at this point in the movie and then the rest of the movie is like I don't like again we were saying he calls when they're back at the end after the wedding he calls the hotel room not knowing if Bet or her husband Alan is going to pick up which is a risk and he's Alan's in the in the bathroom like talking to himself he's uh, Farina is whispering while his wife Rowena is you know steps away and they make a plan to rendezvous and they get a another room this is like a small bed and breakfast apparently six Six rooms rooms are available 
And so and they have with your entire family, with your entire day. family. We obviously know that Keith and Molly have one of the rooms and then, you know, Lily and her husband, Alan, have a room and then Dan and Rowena have a room. So there are three of the rooms. So maybe two other people, two other people have the other rooms. And then there's this one room They're left. Probably family members, probably I'm family assuming. members. And like and also. They, oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say also in this scene, Bette Midler's hair is down and it's bigger than it was at the wedding which 100%. i love 100 it, it is a teased helmet and it it's is teased for the gods yes uh, one thing i love about bit midler um i know you're all gonna say shut up fag one thing i love about bit midler is that i think <laughs> what, Midler's like our, a, who is our audience that they're gonna say that oh to like you? lovingly like lovingly oh, but like okay. you know um, but bet midler also like you, that's something you would say to me what are you talking about oh my god don't i would never say that for an the lies the lies she would say when she says it to me all the time um so <laughs> so look i don't it, i don't ever want to be recorded saying it in case yeah we know just me. but you know i say know. it in love it's we're i know part, yeah of course we're, no, part, no, of, we're part of the same community i know, you know? um no, i love just, it i'm reminding our listeners not you you know look we have to explain yeah we have to explain the culture to you just if you if <laughs> yeah. you, you if you think you can't say it then you can't say it okay yeah if um, you if you get the inkling that that's not for you it's not for you <laughs> and so they i was looking at this scene and i was like oh my god but miller's so beautiful and <laughs> and i was like she's just such a lovely woman i thought she is and, she is beautiful and bet midler can do something that a lot of people can't do bet midler looks as beautiful with red hair as she does with blonde hair absolutely and, and i thought that that was it's like because you don't get i feel like we don't get a lot of blonde moments on film of bet like we some, she but is, I feel like they're few and far between. That's interesting because I think of her primarily as blonde. Really? Yes. I yeah. feel like Bette Midler rocks a lot of blonde hair in her real life, but I feel like when I think yeah. of film performances of Bette, all like most of the big a, ones, I it, always think red. It, it, and and you're right on that. I think because when I think of Bette Midler, I think of her as the icon, the legend, the living, you know, the living legend who I see on, you know, Johnny Carson. Or, for sure, for so, sure. And in those moments, she's blonde usually blonde. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but we get this moment of her with this tease for the gods, fucking hair. That it's like, are you it's really amazing. about to go to bed with this hair, baby? But we know she, she's not. She's gonna go fuck her ex-husband. Something. You're about to loudly fuck your ex-husband. ex-husband with the window shameless. open. They are absolutely. They are the definition of shameless. They are. They've got champagne going. They're laughing. They're Molly this and Keith are trying shit. to share their first night together as a husband and wife, and they can. <sighs> hear them cackling from their marital bed and they they essentially catch them in naked in bed they see them through another window and this sets off the alarms of the chain of events yeah the chain of events where everybody basically finds out that they're together we get like we get like Molly and Keith in bed. It's so funny. For some reason in this movie, Molly and Keith, two grown-ass people, like, in their 30s. But for some reason, the, like, the scene in the bedroom feels like they're about to have sex for the first time. And it's really... Odd. It's like she says they've been together for a year and a half. And these are two adults with a capital A. It's like, I feel not fucked. Because it's like, I I I don't know why it feels like there's this pressure around it. And I get it. You've just gotten married. There is a pressure to have sex on your wedding night, for sure. No, but I mean, it's a pressure of, like, 
you're about to have sex with somebody and like a, it feels like new like it feels like we're yeah. about to do something like okay do you want to like it's like there's this tenderness and it's like oh, just fuck like you fuck plenty of times like why yeah. are we pretending like you two grown-ass adults who live like in new york and like have whole ass lives haven't been like smashing yeah. Unless and they haven't, and maybe that's a no, plot point. That they have. They've been fucking. They have. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's like kind of weird. There's just this tentativeness to it. This excited sort of like, oh, I'm going to. Anyway, while this is happening, though, Molly hears <laughs> fucking Bette Midler, because who couldn't hear Bette Midler like guffawing from the room? Like, Bette right. Midler is so, her cackle is so distinct it's and so, so loud. loud. And I she's mean, make... I suffer from the same thing where it's like, people you do. know yeah, where I, I am from across at the city because they can hear my cackle. Is that how those cops found you? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever happens in Dubuque stays in Dubuque. No. But <laughs> like it was like that scene where she makes Keith, Keith hang him because they're in the room next door so he has to sort of crane his neck out the window to look in the window and this is where also, he sees. Keith is trying to be like just ignore it and let's have sex and it's like if I can hear my mother cackling I'm not having sex with you. Nobody's having sex while they're listening to their mom giggle from the other room. No fucking way. I know somebody <laughs> who's living at home right now with their parents is like no you can do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that took you a long time and probably some Jedi mind you, tricks to yeah, like figure out how to do it. Look at me. I made a reference to a movie I've never seen before. Um, but but like he sees them and then he, and then he's instantly upset with Molly. And he's yeah. like, how could this happen? Because ultimately his mind is the optics. If anybody finds out that your parents who are both married to other people are having sex right before I run for Congress. Like this is horrible for me. It's always Keith thinking about Keith. And it's, it's just here comes, you know, the running through throughout the movie about how this is fucking Molly's fault. And he's blaming, which is probably ties to what you were saying earlier about the trauma. It's probably been so much responsibility for mm-hmm. these two adults who like are impulsive people that like that's probably the thing that Molly has been most fearful of mm-hmm. is like, oh, my God. And so it's like then Molly instantly like she's like, I don't want to deal with it right now. They're in the middle of like coitus. Like, I'm not going to go up there. And then they go downstairs to try and get another the room where they run into Rowena who's looking for her husband and then first of all this hotel it's like a very small like mom and pop it's a you bed know, breakfast bed and I breakfast mean, sitch. or an inn a small it's, a, it's like a inn. really quaint inn yeah. but like Rowena like she's she goes downstairs the woman who runs the establishment is up and she says oh by the way have you seen my husband and then she's oh yeah he actually just rented a room for his sister yeah and Rowena I also <laughs> love that him not being in the room was enough for Rowena to think that he was cheating on her she's not wrong but I just thought that like when she comes downstairs she's like oh he's shaved i know he's having an affair and it's like uh, it's interesting that you thought he was having an affair at like this bed well, and breakfast actually, in upstate new york I think it makes perfect sense she's probably always paranoid that he's having an affair because that's how that's they how she had their marriage so very like, very good point jane yeah I that's just the feel thing like when you get in that way ha- you know you get when in that you, way those hackles stay up as my grandmother <laughs> says you you lose them how you got them um mm-hmm. but yeah that's right, it's very Katie. It's very that granny knows it's very that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, of course, you know that he's capable of cheating because he cheated with your ass. So you're exactly. always a little bit uncertain of where you stand. And so she like the keys are literally just out. She literally <laughs> like a, a killer She's... could come into this this fucking hotel and kill everybody. She, she goes up to the little thing, which has all of the rooms. They're all like the birch room, the oak room. She grabs the key just boldly, which is not it's not hard to get get to. She Nobody's grabs it with there. ease. It's Nobody's like, watching. It's like any, takes it. I would be so freaked out if I was at a bed and breakfast and I there went downstairs and saw a that. lot of places that do that. I bet. Oh, yeah. and so she grabs the key. She goes up to the room and bet is in the bed, luxuriating in the fact that like she just fucking 
fuck this woman's husband. And she gives him the she she's like so smug towards Rowena being like, yeah, I've just fucked your husband and I'm loving it. And it's like <laughs> she, <laughs> so this is bold. a moment you can't really take the high road in this moment because Mm-mm. there's no high road frankly, to be taken. There's no high road to be taken. You've done what you've done. So she really leans into He was it. inside of you moments ago. Moments ago. Moments ago. And this woman did the same thing to you. So you can't have you can never take the moral high ground again with That's Rowena. the thing. And Rowena <laughs> says like this is the most appalling behavior. It's like no it isn't girl. The most appalling was when you fucked him and we were married with a child. Right. Exactly. This is but, what we call payback, bitch. Um, not me so justifying every, it. <laughs> so so everyone knows and they decide, fuck it. We're having a good time. We're just going to run off together. We want oh, some more time people. together. Rich and, people doing rich people shit. And they just, seem so relaxed for two people. About well, to he's, in the, he's in the bathroom. When Rowena comes in, she doesn't know it, but he's hiding in the bathroom. And then yeah. he comes out and like he's like, you didn't have to rub it in her face like that. And it's like, but he doesn't give a fuck other than that. 100%. It's like and, they're well, over and, it. That's the thing. It's like they are so relaxed for people who are about to blow up their <laughs> so entire true. lives that they've been living for 14 years. And you're just like, I'm fucking done, boy. <laughs> let's get out of here. Let's like get they... out of here. Let's, they literally like take off in the night to like spend more time together. And it's like they're gone. And then Molly's left to pick up the pieces. And we've got Alan who's like beside himself because his wife is gone. And we've got Rowena who's beside herself because her husband's gone. Exactly. And it's so funny and then keith who's like damage control for his campaign so he's like i'm gonna get you know alan and rowena out of here you need to like find them and like make this right which is also like both of your marriages clearly have problems that this could even happen but it's like i love that like alan and rowena as characters are both just like we just need to get our spouses back like once we get them back which kind of is like the story i get for from me, this is like it would take a very different angle well I, it would be like we got if I was big conversations hour, to have if i was alan or rowena i would go home I would pack all of their shit up and I would put it outside and I would change the locks and I would say, that's it. Goodbye. And like, I'm not trying to find you to get you back, which like when they do, there's a certain point where they do get both of them back. And both Alan and Rowena are like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. We get to work on our marriage now. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you disrespected me in every fucking way. You're running around the streets of New York, making out with your ex-husband, like joyously, loudly in this inn. Like, no, 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 honey. You are out. You are done. And Tara, I hope you're listening. And as all and all <laughs> and after all of this happens, like Molly's left by herself. And then, of course, Joey Donna, the cameraman who showed up at her wedding and like got hired as the wedding photographer before she caught him. Like he's still here trying to get his pictures. And so yeah. he's the one who ends up assisting her in locating her mom. And along the way, these two get to spend some time together and realize that, you know, neither one of them is as bad as the other one thought they were. But like they're all over New York trying to track down Lily and Dan, who are living it up. You may think that they're in hiding somewhere. No, no, no. But you'd be wrong. They're going on shopping sprees. Like they're making out in the streets. They're grabbing butts. They're talking to people. Like oh, the, and they're the, famous you, people. The older, the older people that are sitting at the table. There's like a scene <laughs> yes. where the two of oh them are like walking down the street, and like Dan's got his hand in her butt, and they start kissing. And then this older woman at a table nearby is like, "Oh, it's so lovely seeing I'm a chore. You know, I'm a chore married couple." And then like Bet 
turns and she goes, actually, we were both adulterers. And the woman's <laughs> she loving goes, it. She goes, it's the best line. It's the best line and it's the best delivery. She turns around and she goes, it's adulterous, but thank you very much. <laughs> it's like, you it's fucking so queen. You sold me, because you are Bette Midler, you sold me on rooting for you and your adultist relationship. <laughs> and the other piece of the puzzle that I remembered, the second time I watched the movie, I noticed was that like, when Joey takes Molly with him to New York to try and locate the parents, mm-hmm. there is a moment where he stops by like, a local like rag like the inquirer somewhere where he like does freelance work and he hops on one of the computers and starts looking for info and she sees a wedding photo of her parents also by the way they do this thing that i love when they do it they did it in another movie you can watch on this pod on uh, our podcast something's gotta give um yes one of our first episodes one of our first episodes it's a moment where they share photographs of an actor who's in a movie who's playing a character Mm. but the character in the movie is like a famous person so like they just use f- famous photos of the actor doing things exactly. and I love it so much it's like these photos of Bette Midler like because she's playing a famous actress in this film so just mm-hmm. photos of her with like Mick Jagger and there's a photo of her with like kissing Jack Nicholson it's like it's fully so just photos great. of Bette from the 70s fucking around like living but they're the like, best life but they're like oh these are photos of Lily Leonard the actress I love that shit it's so it's funny to me it's so good it's such a little easter egg and it we is. actually do have to talk about the worst photoshop job I've ever seen in my life the Oh, it's rough. <laughs> the photo. And this the is wedding photo? 97. Oh so my God. we have to give, you know, weight to the fact give that technology fire, was not where it was. But it is a Photoshop fo- photo of Lily and Daniel at their wedding holding baby Molly, who she finds out that she was at the wedding and not conceived after the wedding, which is like... I guess really difficult for her for some reason, which I don't really understand. But, but once like, again, it's her like not one. And she says to Joey, you can't tell Keith about this. Like it's her. And yeah, she, and it's she, Keith's influence. Because and she refers to them as her parents as degenerates, like for, yeah. for like having her before they were married. And it's funny too, because like your parents are both famous people. How did you not know this? Like this right, photo right. seemed, this is their wedding photo. I'm sure this is in magazines and stuff, Absolutely. but it's, she's fully like, you know, pre-internet, I guess. So she's like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> and, um, but it my biggest you, my biggest takeaway was the terrible Photoshop. Which it's really it's really <laughs> rough. Chef kiss horrible. It's so bad. <laughs> and then they and then they like head to the hotel to like track down her parent the hotel from the wedding photos and they get there because Joey figures out where the hotel is and like and this is like they want to have a nostalgic moment back at their hotel where they first got married. Where they got married wedding. and like they're not laying low at all. They're like in the no. lobby signing autographs. One hundred percent for like fans and like. Yeah. And it's like one of the cutest moments in the movie happens here because they get to the hotel and they locate them. Joey locates them. And then as Molly turns to like see her parents to approach them, she's like, okay, we're done. You can go. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, no, you can go. You can go. I don't need you anymore. And he's like, I want to meet her. And it's like the woman that he's been like taking photos of for years. And she's like, what do you mean? You know her. And he's like, no, like I want to meet her like. Res- like respectively I want you to introduce me to her I, I don't want it to be yeah like as a actually person. be introduced not just like someone who harasses her and takes photos of her because Molly's like I mean he's he is a, I mean what he's doing is obnoxious and like I get it but like also he's a he's a sweet guy and like Molly's been giving totally. him shit for like most of the movie up to this point and like it's like actually the beginning yeah mm-hmm. and so one of the things that I think 
thought about when I was watching this movie because this came out in 1997. Yeah. And I was like, that is the year that Princess Diana was Diana, killed. Diana, yeah. And she was killed by paparazzi chasing her. And so I was like, this is an interesting. She was, like, she was killed while paparazzi were chasing her. There was yes, a crash. Sorry. I, I, I do think they bear some responsibility. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying I they said, don't. I'm just yeah, saying, like. No, no, no. I know. But I think that's why I phrased it that way. They oh, didn't okay. kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just I, wanted to. So, you know, no, no, no. I think we've got enough more, lawsuits. Yeah, no. And I just I can't afford another one. Um, but I was thinking like, God, that must have been this is a weird movie for this to come out after. You know, I don't know when this was released or whatever. But like this, you, we're finding we're following a paparazzi who's invasive and then and then showing him in a good light. And I think because the Molly character does end up falling in love with him. And I was like, I wonder if this was like affected by it. And then I was reading about this afterwards and I guess they pulled this movie from UK theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because of the princess Diana thing. And I had uh, the reason why I was thinking of, of it was because I just watched that documentary on HBO max. Um, which if you guys haven't watched, it's a, it's all like archival footage of Princess Diana from like the time that she got engaged to Charles up into her death. It's a fascinating documentary. You guys should check it out. Ooh, I gotta um, watch that. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really interesting because it's all archival footage and news news reports, and you get to see and hear how people were talking to her and how that changed throughout her, you know, time being famous and um, you know from engagement to her death and and also see like what was going on in the UK at that time and how you know the juxtaposition between um you know US and UK coverage well, no, really just oh. like the 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 opulence of the royal family versus you know what was happening in the UK for you know people who are not part of the royal family people who are real um, living real lives in the UK and and sort of like you can understand how there could be I mean obviously as an outsider I, I can understand I don't understand the monarchy and can understand the anger behind, you know, all of that opulence. But it just just seeing that juxtaposition between like those kinds of things was really interesting and having no narration. It's, it's just it's called um, The Princess and it's on yes. HBO Max currently. I also think it's interesting given like obviously like Harry and Meghan and like so much of the vitriol that's like yes. been spewed towards, you know, Meghan and, you know, people like and it's also like this thing that's really funny. Like anytime like Meghan has worn like a piece of like Diana's jewelry or something and people are like outraged. It's like you don't remember that she was also like unfairly like maligned by all of well, you and like unfairly maligned for <laughs> insane. I mean, all of it is for, but it's also like she's the daughter. She's the daughter. She's the wife of of Princess Anna's son. Like, why I would mean, she not? Why would it not be within her right to like wear her mother in law's jewelry? Right? Like, and it's just honor crazy her in that way. And like Harry, obviously, there's a racial aspect to that as well. But it, but there are clear correlations between the two the two figures. And yeah, yeah. And it's a big part of the reason why I heard at least Harry say that he you know that they made the decision to leave, which is like. 
Good for them. Yeah, because and they hate it. Like the British, the British paparazzi, they hate that Harry and Meghan left. Like, absolutely. They made a decision that I think ultimately, like, probably saved their like home life. I'm sure. Well, Meghan said that. Yeah, her mental. She said her mental health was like at an all time worst. I'm sure you're from California. You're now living there. You're under this eye. You're reading these horrible, unfavorable stories about you all the time. You've got your horrible sister and your awful father who literally oh for a bologna God. sandwich will like will rat you out or or make up not even rat you out because most of the stories are untrue but yeah it's just it's interesting that these things the, the, diana, diana princess diana passed away in august this movie came out in april and a lot mm-hmm. of times movies end up opening there a little bit later exactly. i wonder if that may be a part of why the box office wasn't as strong it might um, have been yeah yeah at least overseas i'm a that old feeling apologist so i'm coming up with any reason to, <laughs> I'm like oh, that probably explains it but i mean i think you know you see the paparazzi through a different lens after an experience like that and so it's interesting sure. to see this movie too given like the you know just the idea of what i have of how I think of the paparazzi and how I think of that job and that career. Um, you know, I don't necessarily like really value it in, in, in maybe the way that I would, would have, if it was like pre pre princess Diana, pre like Britney stuff, no, you know, for like sure. all that kind of stuff. You see how much that can tear a person down. Oh, absolutely. And ultimately result in their death. So, you know, it is like, it's a wild thing. And like, I'll play devil's advocate for a moment in mm-hmm. saying that, like, I also know that like, in the world of like, and I'm not saying that this explains it away or anything, but I just think it's interesting too to think about like how paparazzi have also been responsible for some of the most like iconic shots like totally, that totally. we have. And I'm not saying that excuses it, but it's interesting like to sort of exist like in that middle ground because it's mm-hmm. like I always think of that one shot of like Jackie O like crossing the street in like yeah. the 70s it's a shot of her with the ponytail and she turns her head mm-hmm. and the photographer gets that moment and it's like one of the most incredible shots but it, obviously i get that that's like it's and, the and cost at what cost you know right and there's a way to i think photograph cultural you know icons or you know just people within the the public eye that doesn't threaten their safety it doesn't threaten their, their lives and doesn't yeah. feel invasive and isn't you chasing them in a car and like right. You know, mm-hmm. causing a collision that ends in fatalities. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's so wild and like coverage of like these events is so I I was thinking about this the other day because not to get too morbid, but I, I uh, actress Anne Heche, uh passed away mm-hmm. recently as well, like horribly in a, in a, in a car crash. Really sad. Um, yeah, horrible. And there was like somebody there was like a shot on like the news the, the night of her like when she passed away. I, there was a really horrible car crash and apparently she was in uh, like a a body bag like they put her in a body bag and there's a shot of the body bag like moving as she's like trying to open the bag like oh it's my like god oh and my it was god. like on the news and it's like this is fucking like horrible and like weird and like why like Like, why it it, well it that also brings to mind and we can you know go back to the movie after this but it it also brings to mind you know um vanessa bryant's like struggle right now those images that people that people took at the scene of kobe crash where kobe and 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 their daughter daughter passed away tragically yeah gia oh yeah 
or I think it's Gianna, maybe. I, I can't remember her exact name. I'm sorry. Um, but it was Gianna. You're right. Gianna. OK. And mm. she pa- they they passed away in a horrible, tragic death and people were taking pictures. And she's like lives in fear that she's going to run into one of those pictures on social media. Like she's afraid of the Internet because to be traumatized by, you know, those kinds of shots of her fucking husband and daughter. I, I just it's it's awful. And we yeah. did not. I did not think we would get here. No, but I think no, but I think it's valid, and that's yeah. why they, that's why they listen because we're a roller coaster. Exactly. But, you know, we, we this take obvious... you up. We take you down. We do what we do. Jane also, by the way, does this in friendship as well, and that's one of the things that you have to always be on your toes. You can't ever be completely vulnerable with her because you know she'll use it against you. It's always a roller coaster with this one. Um, that and, is not true. I'm a fantastic. Here we friend. go. And she just mouthed fag right then. You didn't say. I, I did. She wanted to remind me of who I am. To her. I, didn't, um, I didn't. Come on. <laughs> you're fact to me. That's what you. That's, <laughs> that's who you are. All you are. <laughs> you're the fag. Um, but yeah. So all of this is happening, and we're yeah. And you're right. There's like this love story that's happening between like these two individuals, and it's also worth noting that like as this is happening, like we have like. I think that there's a scene that's really interesting where it's almost like the writers are setting you up for the fact to feel okay about like what's going on yeah. with um <laughs> with uh Lily and Dan because there's a moment where Alan, Lily's husband, is like he's more he's more concerned with the fact the optics of this as well. Like yeah. both of them are concerned with the optics. He's like, I'm this guru, I'm this I'm this say, like he's a therapist. I he's would a say therapist. He's, he's a very be- he's not a great therapist given just like how how he handles all any and all of this but he but he is but he is like essentially like he's really upset because he's worried about what this is going to ultimately mean for his like business it's david it's david rashi by the way who's like a really famous actor yeah, and like I, he's men I was in like, black burn yes. after reading he's been in a bunch of things he's, he's on succession as well I always recognize and i'm like i don't know your name but i've seen you in he's a really everything. great like character actor he was on veep for a while as well um but he is the husband he plays the role of Alan and he's really upset about what this is going to mean for like all of he's a he's a he's like a marriage guru you know self-proclaimed who like this is how he makes his bread and butter is saving marriages and like his marriage falling apart what that would mean Rowena's really concerned about her social standing and like her group her like friend group although apparently she's like she's the person who's like single-handedly like like orchestra, like orchestrated and helped like usher in the Greek revival design style, according to, <laughs> according according to, the movie. to this movie, <laughs> according to this film. Um, but like, they're really concerned about the optics. And at times it seems like they're more concerned about the optics than they are about the people attached to them, which is really interesting. And I think that's the writer's way of being like, Hey, this isn't perfect either. Yeah. You remember these two aren't on the up and up. Exactly. Um, and you get, w- you get, they make you purposely not really like <laughs> Alan, not like Rowena and not like um, Keith. Keith because we want all of them to be, we want to push them towards these We're affairs. done with them and we yeah. want these two couples to be together. And we also get like the moment where like they find them and then it's just really, the thing is that they're like, it's almost childlike. Like, yeah. like they locate these two and And then, like, we get, like, Lily coming up with a scheme, basically, because she's getting... Molly's putting the pressure on them. Like, go back, like... 
face your spouses like you yeah, have to this isn't this the out. thing and also her one of the main points of her argument is like it always gets volatile between you two like this it's not gonna stay like delightful and blithe like well, like it's gonna get bad and so they basically like trap her and the photographer Joey in a hotel room they take they, they get in the hotel room they're like we're gonna go up we're gonna pack our bags and we're gonna go back to our spouses you're right they get up there they ask the two of them to go in the bathroom and collect some of the things in the bathroom and while the two of them are in the bathroom, they take the phones from the hotel room. They lot they like they sort of jam the door so they they can't get out, and so they force they, the like, two of them. They like jerry rig the the lock with like a fork, a fork. Like they yeah. bend a fork and use that to jerry rig the lock. And then the two of them go about enjoying the rest of their day. They go to like a local nightclub. It's very like it feels very. Oh, I've wow. seen it one time, so I can so I can say this. It feels very Casablanca. Oh, they go, it does. They go to the 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 they go to the bar that they used to frequent and mm. we get bet singing the first time I ever heard this song um, somewhere along the way which is one of my favorite songs Nat King Cole has a beautiful version of it I've, I've heard the Nat King Cole version of it it's such a, a lovely song it's a beautiful beautiful song and I'm so glad that we get a bet singing moment because I love that voice a, if, if, if it's a movie with Ben Miller and I don't get one number from I her want a song. I'm disappointed you know I agree although I will say that this song listening to the lyrics is like she's like oh our song and it's like if this is your song then like I don't know if the relationship's going great. Because <laughs> well, it's a song think- about, uh, it's a song about like a relationship that's fallen apart and like the memory of the love that was great and like, you know, the desire, the yearning for it, for it again. But it's like, it's an interesting wedding song. This is also coming from a person whose wedding song was A Case of You by Joni Mitchell. So I guess I can only talk so much. But I also think like that is kind of their story because they. Oh, it is no for yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's like wow, that's been your story oh, you for mean, so long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I no, mean, I just mean like you know this has been their song apparently since the seventies. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> play like, our what? jam. That play song about jam. hard fought love. <laughs> it was like I, we never thought this was gonna work. <laughs> but like. <laughs> it's a really sweet moment and we get to hear Bet sing the whole song which is lovely it's so nice and I was looking I was like there are other couples in the restaurant and I was thinking like if I was in this restaurant I would be annoyed if it was anybody else but Ben Midler oh my god right <laughs> the thing is when people who can actually sing do shit like this you love it yeah of it's only when somebody's like oh my god do you not you're not gonna remember this this is such a specific memory Brilliant. this happened close to 15 years ago okay. we were at this party Mm-hmm. And we were. I'll never forget it. I know exactly what you're going to You know mention. what I'm talking about? The okay. Johnny Mitchell one? Because yes, I spoke with Johnny. Yes, oh course. my God. <laughs> we were at this party many, many years ago. And there was like, it's also me and Jane. So it's like, uh, are we giving out moments here? She's the only one that gets one. Um, but it was this girl sitting on the back porch and these, and a couple of her friends were out there. And somebody was like, sing, sing. And like, she did like, a serviceable version of Help Me by Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. But it was just like... Ugh. It was like... But Brandon and I... Okay, first of all, ugh. the difficult thing was Brandon and I sitting there having to not make eye contact with each other because ugh. we would have burst out laughing in the moment of this girl singing it. Everyone was like gassing yeah. her the fuck up. Well, it was very Christian on. wig. It was Christian wig on SNL. Don't make me sing. <laughs> yeah. Don't make me sing. She was like fighting it, but like in a way that you're not but fighting it at in all. In a way that she was like also like, you know, getting ready for the performance of a lifetime. As she, she's like, she's doing that as she's like literally sucking on a recola. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, I can't. I can't. What's my key? <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> like, and like Jane and I have to listen to her coo 
help me by Joni Mitchell. And it's just like, help me because help I'm about to throw up. Because this is enough. This I is mean, a tiny patio. I love sitting around listening to people sing and play music, especially in that intimate, like, you know, moment. But it's like, I. It's a weird vibe. But it's gotta be good. It's gotta be good. That's the only requirement. That's just like if you're gonna like if you're gonna command if you're gonna like command a small group because it was like I feel like I didn't give my consent to this. I know. I and me know and you. Jane, which by the, to be fair, Jane and I have been in many. We actually can't be taken anywhere. We've been in many situations where it's like I think to myself, if we make eye contact right now, it's we're gonna be removed. Over. We're it's over for us. We're gonna confirm for everybody here that we're garbage. That we are and bad so people. We just don't look at each other. <laughs> but there are like there are moments where like I've had to remove myself because I'm oh, just yeah. in the same room as you and I know what you're thinking. Or and I'm like aggressively kicking your leg on the table because I'm like, look at me. <laughs> look at me. This is horrible, right? Because you know I'll break before you do. And I know. And then I'll and then I'm gonna pretend to be shocked with everybody else. And I'm gonna be like, oh my God, why is she laughing at your story? Why is she laughing about your inappropriately timed story about like your Mima dying? Get her out of here. Monster! You want to ruin me, and I'm just I, like I want to be in the room after you're after you're like removed from it. So I can just be like I I don't know. I've seen her at her best, and I've seen her at her worst. This I is the latter. Apo- I have to apologize for her. I do. I have to. There's apologize. a multitude within one person, and like <laughs> I usually just sort of like shoulder it on my own. But like for all of you to have to witness it, <laughs> it hurts me, and it's embarrassing for me because she's a representative of me in a way. So. My deepest condolences, my deepest apologies. Continue your inappropriate story, please. Um, but like, it's that. So they like, so they they go there. They have their night. That's what. The, and Bet comes back up the next day. But while she's gone, this is the developing of the relationship between Joey and Molly. We see like exactly. them like throw. They're like trying to initially. They're trying to get out of the room, and they use they need to get a little help from uh, three sixpence on the richer, um, and a version of uh, there she goes. They're like throwing fruit off the balcony, which is actually. Con- almost murder like if you hit somebody with one of these pieces they're like really hurt there's a fruit basket in the room and they're like okay we're locked in this room they took the phones with them they also they go downstairs when they're leaving the hotel and lily says do not disturb don't go up to that room under any circumstances so they're locked in this room and then like she's banging on the door like throw well they're throwing this fruit when they're throwing this food I'm like, you don't know how long you're going to be in there. Stop wasting that food. Stop wasting food. You might have to eat that. And they're dropping food off the balcony. And these cops pass by. And the cops just sort of look at the fruit. And they're like, oh, those crazy kids. Let's keep walking. And then they're like, oh, my God. The only two cops in the city that aren't assholes. As useful as cops generally are. As you'd expect it to be. And then they end up spending the night in the room together. So it's like this moment their relationship develops. Very much so. Like, it's clear. He sleeps on the couch he sleeps on the couch she sleeps in the bed but there's a vibe there's a vibe and it's very clear also that like lily and dan kind of want this to happen like they don't want their daughter to be with keith yeah they've been bad than keith since moment well he's like the opposite of who they i think they also just see through him like they've been around the block enough to know that this guy is not a genuine authentic person i would i would be concerned if my daughter was marrying a republican politician as well 
And the little buried piece that we haven't talked about, which I feel like is one of the elephants in the room, is while all this is going on at one point, Keith, who is married to Molly Newley, and Rowena, who is married to Molly's father, Dan, end up having a one-night stand. So, for those of you who um, are are confused following, um, Keith, our our groom, sleeps with his stepmother-in-law. Yes, he has sex with her, and they... which, by the way, I'm sure is a category on Pornhub. Go ahead, look it up, and go to town. Yes, stepmother-in-law for those people who don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, and they're like, "I'm not comfortable with a, I'm not comfortable with a loosely built narrative around mother-in-law." But if you, if you remove it by one more person, <laughs> it's boner town. Um, so they have sex, and it's not good, by the way, because the how next many morning, people do you think? How many people do you think say it's boner town right before? masturbating probably just me and some of my cult followers i'd say we kind of got a corner in that market yeah dm us Um, let us know if that's something within your roster absolutely we'd love to see it (laughs) um so that's all happening and then like the the night after they're they're drunk they have sex and then there's a moment where the next morning they clearly did not enjoy it like rowena is roasting him about how bad he was in bed and like he's like like, i got a bad back and she's like yeah among other things (laughs) um it's great and then they both just sort of like it's under rug swept like Rowena where Rowena is done with it and also like Keith is like ready to just hide it away and he also makes Molly feel like shit when he talks to her on the phone finally and he's like you need to get back here and it's just like he's such a dick and she's kind of abusive He is. And it's only this is day two of their wedding, which gives you an idea what she would have been in store for Day two of their marriage of their marriage. Sorry. And then we get like this. We get like the scene where like we get like they're they're now Lily and Dan. They come back to the hotel room. They let them out and they're like, we're going to go back. But, you know, we want like they're going to want one more little like like a nice day. Mm -hmm. And Molly doesn't have anything to wear. So Bet pulls out this, I'm assuming Versace, like this, like whatever it is. It is like an electric orange. Yeah. What kind of dress is this, Jane? It's not a tunic dress. It's like a No, no, no. It's de- it's not a tunic dress. It's sort of like it's like a um satin like swing dress with like almost a baby doll in a way. Yeah, like it's, sh- it's sort of a baby doll shape. It her the, the girls are out. The legs are out. The arms are It's like are electric out. orange, and it's got these gold clasps on the back. It's really cute. It looks... You know what? It's, like, very much the shape that, like... <laughs> this is, like, a weird reference, but, like, the shape that, like, a lot of the dresses that they wear in Romeo and Michelle are. <laughs> yes. Very much in very much that vibe. It's, like, yeah. this electric orange, but not at all what, like, wannabe conservative Molly would wear. Of course and, not, no. And also, like, not a dress for a bet, because, like, there's no way Bet's breasts would have fit in this dress. I Absolutely not. But Bet's like got this dress in her bag and she's like, put this on, doll. But somehow if it's perfectly on Molly, it goes tailored. It's like it was tailored to her. And it's one of the funniest moments in this movie and the moment that I remember more than any other moment in this movie. They go downstairs and they're like, "Okay, we're done. We're not going to be together. (laughs) And me and your father are done and we're going to go back to our spouses. And we get the moment where like. 
Lily goes up to Dan and they're just saying their goodbyes and it's going to be over. And then they touch hands as they're saying goodbye. And then instantly the electricity starts flying between mm-hmm. them and they start embracing in the lobby. And Molly is like behind them and she's like, no, no, no. And then she sort of like <laughs> almost like acquiesces. Yeah. And she goes to sit on the edge of like a chaise that's in the <laughs> lobby. And you cannot tell me this was scripted. It no, was absolutely was not, not scripted. Same thing. And she goes to sit on the Jay's in the lobby and she and she's she kind of she catches the edge of it but just enough for her to like catch the edge and slip to the floor and the dress is flying up around her and she just throws the shopping bags that she's holding it's such a great moment it's and such i love a good it moment and there's no way it's scripted it no was way. 100% the mo- if this was scripted it was the most natural fall I've ever seen come into film it is yeah, so and it's so it, funny. because of that it is so funny that I like again when you're watching movies you rarely laugh out loud yeah it's really funny I, I let out a loud guffaw and Paula moment. Marshall plays it like perfectly like yeah, it's she like really she's, a, she's a good actor she does a good job in this film yeah and then like after this happens they end up crashing like this party that's happening at like it's a wedding it's another it's a wedding, wedding that's happening at the hotel they crash it and this is sort of where we see like the actual beginning of the love story between these two characters and like it's all in a rough between Dan, Joey and between Molly. Joey and Molly and like Dan and uh, Lily are very much enjoying each other's company but then they end up getting into a big fight after like old things start coming up who cheated on who first and like how they ended up in the situation that they're in and this is the same time that like Keith and Rowena and Alan track them down and they show up mm-hmm. also like we get the first kiss between Molly and um, Joey at the they, they have a kiss it's while they're dancing a really cute moment it's where really she's sweet. like she gives him like a little like five minute makeover he puts on a new jacket and she slicks back his hair with water which by the way doesn't work but I have to swallow it I, always works in movies for some <laughs> reason. He looks very cute and much more put together than he normally does. They're dancing and she's like, oh, you could have any girl in the place. And he's like, no, I can't. She's like, of course you can. And he like looks at her more seriously and he's like, no, I can't. And she like understands that he's talking about her. And I, my heart melts in that moment because like everybody wants that moment. And then. Do you want to cheat on your on your wife? No. And ruin your uh, marriage? I just mean it's like a very romantic moment when everyone. Oh. You want someone to declare their love for you in that really cute way sure tara don't listen to him (laughs) oh somebody's worried somebody's sweating somebody's you you listen to me girl (laughs) i was trying to moonwalk right out of the situation i see what's going on (laughs) anyways no you're right it's a really sweet moment and it's like very like theatrical the way he looks at her and he says no i can't and then it's really well delivered i think yes and they have their kiss and then like he tries to break up she's like she's like i'm married and then he's like yeah and then they just kiss and then they just make it anyway (laughs) and then he ends up falling to the ground at one point and a camera falls out of his like jacket no it's a recorder it's a recorder that falls out of his jacket and her whole deal with him when he when she first asked him to help her find her mother was you can't record them you can't take any photos or anything and like a part of me is like just because he has that on him doesn't mean he's used it 100% he's like like, been working like you know and but that's it's enough for her and she sees it and she's like no and she's like you you know you lied to me and like she goes she sort of like fights against these instincts and Keith shows up and she goes away with him and at this and everybody there's this really lovely moment where it's joey and um 
Molly fighting right next to Bet and Dennis Farina fighting, and it's like the couples are fighting right next to each other. They're like sucking all the air out of the room from this wedding. Everyone's watching them, and then Rowena, Keith, and Alan all show up at the same time to see them fighting, and Bet just goes. She sees them and she goes, she goes Alan, take me home. Yeah, and it's I like, love it. It's Lillian, like, you've just spent the last 48 hours <laughs> fucking someone else. And you're just like, I'm done here, Alan. I'm ready to be taken home. It's that big bad energy, baby. Like, <laughs> I know. she is just like, I'm not wrong. I'm fine. I'm We're fine. fine. Let's go. Exactly. I've had and, my fun. <laughs> and everybody goes back to their spouses that they're unhappy with. And then like, a re- and then we sort of see them now trying to like, go back to the lives that they had before and everybody's a little less happy. Wild. And there's this moment to Rowena who freshly, who was just on another dick the night before, (laughs) is like in the car with Dennis Farina and it actually was a line that made me, this also made me laugh out loud. They're in the car and she's feigning tears and like she's talking about how much she loves him and how much she wants to stay in this marriage and what do I need to do? And then Dennis Farina says, well you gotta cut this shit out. (laughs) Oh God. <laughs> it's so funny. And then she's like, all right, fine. Where do we stand? And he's like, I don't know. We'll see. And like, they go back to their house. It really did make me laugh because it's, it's just so like, this shit, is, this shit ain't cute. Um, and it's like, those crocodile tears? I don't think so, sweetie. Not working, mama. And then if like, I know Rowena, and I think I know Rowena, she was on another dick too. So we're both, let's just call it even. Exactly. And we're not even ask Stevens. Any questions. Even Stevens and no Shia LaBeouf. Um, so that's happening. And then we also, we get this really, like, Molly and Keith end up driving Alan and, um, Lily back to their home. Everybody mm-hmm. also has these big ass, beautiful homes, by the way. In New York City. These houses would be like, so, so fucking expensive. Like um, millions and millions. Money's never a problem, though. No. Um, so they're in the house and we, Lily, like, runs away. She goes to her dad's home mm-hmm. and she sits down with Dan and it's a really sweet scene. It's it is she's a sweet scene. she's not she's not sold still on this idea of Keith. She's still got Joey on her mind and she goes to her dad and she's looking for like guidance and he's trying to give it to her. But it, it, they're interrupted by Rowena, basically. And and also it's like, I understand he's your father, but he's probably the worst person to go for. And he knows I think he knows that, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's like they end up at. Like the airport, basically the next day, this the honeymoon. So Keith and Molly decide we're going to take our honeymoon together. And Bet and her husband Alan are like, we're going to drive you and see you off to the airport. So they're walking them to the gate. And <laughs> um, Dan and Rowena decide that they're going to see them off at the gate too because I think um, he wanted to say something else to Molly or something like that. So he felt like Molly had something else to say to him. That's what it and was. That's what it was. He was like, I want to go last night, you know, before you interrupted us, Molly was trying to tell me something. It's also funny because watching the movie this time, what I picked up on, which I had not picked up on before was I picked up on this trepidation from Rowena and from Keith. Yeah. Like, Neither one of them wanted like the other one to see the other one and neither one of them wanted. And I felt the same thing the night before when Molly's in her dad's study and Rowena comes in. There's a moment where you see like a fear in Rowena almost like has Keith told you something like, right, I don't want you two together. I don't want you sharing information. I don't want anybody to find out about what I did. Totally. And all of that is happening. And then basically Molly realizes in this moment that she does not want to be 
with Keith and she calls her parents over and she gives them the honeymoon tickets to Hawaii. And she says, you two are never going to get over each other. And neither one of you is ever going to be happy with anyone else. So like, Figure it the fuck out. She goes, I want you to go on my honeymoon. And she, I said, it could not be me. I'll tell you that. If anybody was, if this was my trip, honey, you figure it out at home because I've just had a stressful couple of days. I don't care. Take Joey with you. Take, I'll take Joey with me, but I'm going to fucking Hawaii. But kind of her to give it to her parents. And they go. Also, it's like your parents are rich as hell. They can go anytime they want. Exactly. They don't need this. They don't need um, this. You probably do. Also, you know they're rich because they just take the tickets and go. And not mm-hmm. a word is spoken about but clothes. Because yeah, when you got I, money I like that, just you'll figure it the fuck there. out. Anything exactly. I need, I'll get it when I get to Hawaii. Right. Um, I'm spending money. And she decides to. And also during this scene, this is where it sort of comes out for the group that Keith and Rowena slept together. Which it's actually really like based on thin evidence. It's so thin. Like Bet like finds a red hair on the back of the Which is something that comes up earlier in the movie. She mentions that the way that she found out about the affair that was happening between Dan and Rowena was she she saw Rowena's red hairs, which is why they were like, you gotta go blonde, Bet. Yeah. Um, They saw (laughs) Rowena's red hairs on the pillow and her bedroom and she was like I, I knew that you two had been together and Rowena kind of almost confesses that it was like she left them on purpose right um, exactly and so then she sees these red hairs on Keith's jacket which is like could be explained away very easily like yeah we, they were together like you know yeah, we I mean? were holed up in a house together waiting on you my hair yeah. but I mean what really messes it up is just Keith and Rowena Rowena essentially uh, admit it they're like oh well that, well that couldn't have been us and it's like not us no I don't know no, I don't know what her vagina is like um, <laughs> um, and we get Molly and Joey. Joey pops up, of course, at the airport and the two of them decide to run off together. Yeah. And so we get our two couples living happily. After. The only person I actually feel kind of bad for is Alan. You know, I do feel bad. I, in reality, all, Alan gets the shit end of the stick from everybody. For I don't feel sure. bad for Rowena. I don't feel bad for Keith. No, no, no. Me neither. But Alan, even if he is kind of a boring dick, he sh- deserved better, probably. <laughs> but, hey, he's not one of the stars of this movie. But he can't fight that old feeling, so. <laughs> there you go, baby. And um, that's the movie. Yeah. I have a question for you, Jane. I would love to hear it. Would you watch this movie again? I would watch this movie again. I actually am probably going to watch it again. because It's I a lot only, of fun. I only watched it once in prep. Okay. I normally watch the movies twice, but I only had time to watch this once, and I, I want to watch it again without taking notes. It's a really it's a really good time, and it always makes me happy, and it's warm. And now that, you know, we've lost the, you know, the incomparable Dennis Farina. It's also yeah. nice to see him in this movie. He's in totally. he's in great form and him yeah. and Bat have like chemistry out the wazoo and Paula Marshall so and Danny Nucci being together in real life being is such a sweet like little add on. So yeah. it is um you're seeing love in real time, you know? Absolutely. And Jane, I have another question for you. Um, I heard that there may be a movie that you have for me to watch. I do. I have something selected for next week, and I think you're really going to love this one. (gasps) Okay. We are hearkening back to another franchise we started a long time ago. Okay. And I'm going to have you watch 
too fast, too <gasps> furious. I am really excited about this. <laughs> I'm yes, really excited about this one. I've been waiting, waiting for this one. I think it's a good, good time to dive back into, um, you the know, family. Dom and the family. I'm um, excited about. It. Okay, this is this will be fun. I've been yeah. yeah, I've been excited to take another trip to to check the crew out and see what's going on yeah. if they're still doing their family barbecues and everything. Of course they are. Of course they are. And to find out what happened at the end of the last movie, we had our Paul Walker who was willing to sacrifice his entire police career to give Dom a whip to get out of the situation. 50 was on their heels and yep. Walker was really ready to take the Mm-hmm. Take the heat. And we had Yale's own Jordana Brewster, mm-hmm. who was sticking beside her bruh, her bruh. Mm-hmm. And we had her Michelle bruh. Rodriguez, who was one of the most world famous grimaces yeah. uh, in film history. So <laughs> all that will be obviously tied Wowza. up. And <laughs> Wowza. I'm and, really. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out all the answers to all the questions you have about our fam. Okay, I'm um, excited. Yeah, me too. I um, want to go ahead and thank everybody listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank for you. listening us talk about that old feeling. If you haven't watched we it, didn't, go- did we thank our sponsors at all? Did we thank Gucci? We didn't thank Gucci, but I haven't gotten my check yet, so let's hold off on that. Um, okay, okay. We want to thank everybody who listens all the time and who made it to the end of this episode that old feeling you should watch the movie if you haven't it's a good one um and dm us about it and tell us about your reactions we'll post it on the on the ig yeah yeah oh my god i yeah we should do that more like we should we love that anybody yeah that's a new thing if anybody watches any of the movies that we talk about mm-hmm. and sends us uh a message about it then we'll make sure to like shout you yeah, out on the pod share your opinion ours we'll are shout not- you out in here or we'll shout you out on ig uh one of the play it's happening yes. basically mm-hmm. you know what? we'll do it on here that's better we'll do it on here anybody okay. who sends us any i think yeah anybody who sends us any sort of feedback we'll talk about it um on the episode yeah. for sure write that down so we remember that um <laughs> anyways we love you we cherish you we you're good think, people we think you're, you're really good, good people. people and we will vote for you um in any political situation and, and we don't care um, what your family thinks and, about you and we your family your family is unimportant to us. they've got their own stuff that they and need to work through <laughs> we are definitely um you know gonna root for you in every situation Always. so we hope to see you um on our instagram or on our facebook at movies we missed and what about twitter, twitter jane at, uh, yeah i'm getting a twitter word we're at <laughs> mwm chat on twitter <laughs> and we will see you guys next week for too fast too furious love you bye 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 Tara's going to hate that bird noise. I'm sorry. It smells like Badussi in here.